TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. It's that time of night, you can't stay up tight. So come and join the people and I'm feeling all right. He run away. Oh, yeah. Overnight America. Hey, Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Record. Thanks for staying up late with us. We've been talking predictions for 2021. I've shared with you some of mine. We've had some folks calling in. This is the time of year to make predictions. And hey, you know, if you missed it last year, no one's got to fault you for it because no one could have predicted 2020. I'm just glad that it's almost gone. But you know what? I'm also glad that Amy's been holding for a while. You've got some predictions, Amy. Welcome to KMOX. Yes. Uh, I predict that uh, the Republicans and the independents will come out in uh, large numbers in Georgia to support the uh, Republican candidates. Yes. To control the excessive uh, spendings of the Democratic people. Hmm. So you think that they're going to are, are both Leffler and Purdue? You think both of them will win, or just one or, or the other? They'll both win. They'll both win. They have to control the excessive uh, spending of the Democratic Party for uh, them getting into organizations all over the world that uh, Trump didn't support, and also the excessive spending that the Democrats are going to do with uh, uh, free education. Uh, free everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not free. Free to them, but you, but but somebody's going to pay for it, and that someone's going to be taxpayers. Yes. And so they they want to stop the excessive spending that's going to happen with the uh, Democratic people. Amy, I hope your prediction comes true. Okay. Thank you. Hey, thanks for calling in this evening, uh, Jeff. Hey, what's your prediction for uh, next year? Uh. Oh, these, this is a prediction show? Well, not uh, necessarily. What's on your mind, Jeff? Well, I was uh, watching the stuff going on in the Senate about the uh, stimulus, $2,000 additional stimulus. Yes. How McConnell was trying to loop, lump all three of what Trump wanted. 
what what I was hearing from Trump was, I don't think he meant for all of them into one one lump uh, thing that each one dealt with. Well, and and to break it down, Jeff, what he's talking about specifically is uh, is changing and re, uh, uh, rejecting Section two thirty of the Computer Decency Act which yeah. is this statutory section that allows Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram and and TikTok and all of these other social media platforms to allow people to say whatever they want uh, and not get these companies in trouble. So that's what you're yeah. talking about. And I know that, that Mitch McConnell introduced a bill to increase the, the direct stimulus payments to $2,000 per person, but he also put in the bill that in doing so it would remove and repeal Section 230 of the Computer Decency Act. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and the, uh, yes, and the uh, looking into the election stuff. Right, and the investigation into the legitimacy of the 2020 election. So you think yeah. that's a good idea or a bad idea? Um, I don't know, but... Um well, I'm just saying I don't think Trump meant for all of them to be into one big bill. I think he meant to be for them to be dealt separately. Well, you're probably right. At least on Twitter, he said increase the payments to two thousand yeah. dollars. Uh, but he also vetoed the defense bill because it did not repeal Section 230 of the Computer Decency Act. So obviously, that's important to Trump. But your point is, it's not necessarily uh, Trump didn't necessarily mean for the two thousand dollar payments to be contingent upon repeal of the Computer Decency that's Act. As long as they deal, that's as long as they deal with the other stuff. Yep, you might be right, Jeff. We'll see you in the coming days. Hey, thanks for calling in to KMOX. Right, good night. Appreciate it. Good night, uh, Ed. You've got a prediction about live music. What's your prediction, my yeah, friend? Thank, thank you very much. A little bit closer to home. Uh, I fear that the live music profession, and I'll use the word profession over industry, uh, when we had it downtown and we had the Muni, it was a billion-dollar on and off property uh, economic engine because it yes. filled the hotels, motels, restaurants. Sure. My fear is, to be very, very quick, the more it's on virtual the less the chance it will come back. In other words, the film industry is probably gone on either coast because they're going virtual. The longer music stays on virtual, uh, nobody's going to pay for it when it comes back. And that also takes the teaching of music. It takes Mm. the music schools with it. Um, And I have not seen any bold action that uh, that could attend to this, could actually perhaps stop this from happening. Hmm. Well, I'm a I'm a Muni season ticket holder. I have been since 1991, I think, maybe 1990, uh-huh. 91. I've been a, uh-huh. a season ticket holder at the Muni, and I do know that the Muni is planning on for 2021. They're planning on all live performances, nothing virtual. So, I well, see- they need to they need to open in in May with concerts, even distance. I mean, they need to they need to do 80 nights. They don't need to do. Uh, seven weeks when it's 105 degrees. So it is a theater. It's not the seven-week season. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be one of the things that, that would save the live music industry. And the other thing is, look at some of your smaller to medium-sized theaters, and you could distance seat yes. uh, some, of the indo- yeah, some of the indoor theaters. Sure. The, the, the city just needs to look at them, some of the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. And so you can't fill them. But, you know, you, you do repeats then. You know, you right. do a matinee. You, you yeah. do more shows. You have more shows sure. even though you have fewer yeah. people at each show. Yes. Yes. And uh, 
I will continue to promote that um, uh, because, uh, you know, I think it's in peril. I, I really think that mm-hmm. that live music is going to have a tough comeback. Yes, it is, unfortunately, because to me there's... I I just love live music. To me, there's no there's no equal. I mean, watching something online is not the same as showing up at a concert, as going out to the Riverport at the uh, at the uh, Riverport Amphitheater. I think it's got a different name now, of course. But going sure. out there and hearing sure. concerts, no, nothing sure. compares to that. Well, and we have now the Ozark coming back. We have the the, the new two theater in Kirkwood. You know, I think the American Theater downtown, I'd get cracking on that right now. Yes. And just don't, you know, no food and beverage. Just keep the food and beverage out mm-hmm. and feed the restaurants. Feed your restaurants. So uh, that's my <laughs> Ed, that's my goal. You've got that's some great you got some great ideas, my friend. I hope it gets some traction. Okay, buddy. Thank you. Hey, thanks for thanks for calling in. Appreciate hearing from you. What are your predictions for 2021? I want to hear some more of your predictions. 314-436-7900. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. We'll be back in just a moment. Weekday mornings at 8.30, Charlie Brennan and Amy Marks Kors provide perspective on KMOX and KMOX.com. Welcome back to Overnight America. We're talking predictions for 2021 We've also got some other news of the day that I just wasn't able to get to as the show unfolded this evening. Lots of great calls. Always appreciate hearing from listeners. And uh, some of the other stories, uh, the Nashville bomber, you know, we we know about him and he blew up the uh, AT&T switching building in Nashville. And it looks like the FBI is zeroing in on his motivation. And his motivation was apparently his concern over 5G Conspiracy theories. And, you know, 5G is the latest cell phone frequency range. And eventually I think it's going to be phenomenal. In the short run, I don't know that it's going to make much of a difference uh, because there's low band and high band within 5G. I'm not trying to nerd out on you, but there's several different types of 5G. And and uh, this Anthony Warner apparently was a proponent of a lot of 5G conspiracy theories. So uh, either in this segment or the segment to come, we're going to talk about some of those 5G conspiracy theories. Some of them are pretty wacky. And, you know, I love conspiracy theories. Rarely believe them, okay? Rarely believe them. But I love arguing about them because when you're talking about conspiracy theories, facts don't matter. You know, they're not even necessary. And in fact... Facts often get in the way of very good conspiracy arguments, okay? That's why I love one of the guys I enjoy having on the show anytime you have uh, UFOs in the news. I love having Dr. Michael Lynch on because that guy's never heard a conspiracy theory that he doesn't believe. He believes them all. And uh, I, and I don't ridicule him. I appreciate his opinion. And I like to to argue and debate the, the these conspiracy theories, but... Uh, 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 but these 5G theories are out there. I'm going to go through some of them with you so you can just understand that perhaps Mr. Warner had some problems. And uh, and you will see that very, very quickly when we talk about some of these wacky 5G conspiracy theories. Also, some polling data that I find interesting. 40% of voters say that they're, they will be ready to stop wearing masks in three months or less, 
40%. There's some other parts of that poll that I want to break down as the show unfolds and, and goes into the final hour of the show. Uh, but 40% of voters say they'll be ready to stop wearing masks. Are you ready? I mean, I'm ready to stop wearing masks right now, but I understand you can't and we shouldn't. And I still wear them. I wear them at my office, uh, wear them in the store. I, I was shopping today and wore a mask. So, you know, you do what you got to do. You're doing the same thing, I'm sure. Uh, I mentioned a couple of times that I, I was impressed. I went to a uh, I went to a Walmart down in Springfield, Missouri. I was in court down there and and I walked into a Walmart. This was probably two months ago. And I was impressed that people were wearing masks. But uh, but unfortunately, they weren't wearing pants at Walmart. So I, I, I don't understand why they think it's OK to wear a mask but not uh, necessary to wear pants. Uh, I would say folks, particularly the folks that I saw at Walmart, they should have been wearing pants, if you know what I mean. So, uh, but 40% of voters say they're ready to stop wearing masks in three months or less. How soon until you're ready to stop wearing a mask? I mean, I'm ready now, but, you know, I feel like we need to wear them for another three months, maybe uh, up to six months. If you're thought of this, you might have to get a covid passport in 2021. Now, not an actual passport, but something that says you've been vaccinated, that you've had it, you've got the antibodies, you can't have it, you can't transmit it. Government officials now are weighing and private companies are developing apps for your phone so you can prove you've been vaccinated or you can prove that you've already had it. You can't get it again and you can't transmit it. Is that something that you would feel comfortable having? And speaking of polling data, another poll that came out, what do Americans think about whether our phones and other digital smart devices are recording us? You know, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting five smart devices now. And uh, and they're all listening. You know, if you say, hey, Alexa, do this, do that, it's listening. If you say, hey, Siri, uh, it's listening. So I'm really surprised my phone didn't chirp just saying that as I'm as I'm standing here. But uh, our phones are listening. Does that bother you? And so I've got some polling data, and it's and not surprising that data pretty closely falls down along age lines. In other words, the younger you are, the less concerned you are with devices that listen to you, and the older you are, the more concerned you are. And of course, if you're really really old. You're just concerned about hearing. I mean, you're not concerned about whether they're listening to you. You're just concerned about whether you can hear the TV, you know. Uh, they turn it up so darn loud it's going to break glass because uh, they can't hear the phones or can't hear the television. So we're going to go through that. But I, but before we get to uh, – we've got a few minutes here before we get to a break. I want to talk about these 5G conspiracy theories because I just – some of these I can kind of understand and others I just – I'm just baffled by them. One of the one of the five G conspiracy theories is that that this technology is being used to spy on Americans by the U.S. government. Okay, five G. Now, what I don't understand is why would five G technology be used and four G would not? You know, that's something I don't know have an answer to. Uh, I don't know if these same folks are worried about four G, but you know, one of the things is is that there's this movement. It's been going on now for the better part of a year where 5G cell towers are being destroyed. People are firebombing them, setting them on fire, blowing them up. 
uh, because they're, they're, they're really concerned, rightfully or wrongfully, about 5G cell signals. Apparently, Anthony Warner was in that group because he took blowing it up to the whole next level. And these conspiracy theories started pretty much in 1990, or I mean, I'm sorry, in 2019, early 2020. Uh, and the FBI, according to Newsweek, actually it's the Department of Homeland Security, they think that, that 5G technology threats, people blowing this stuff up, is the greatest domestic threat that we currently have to our infrastructure. Now, Popular Mechanics, I like reading that. I also like, I read Popular Science and Wired Magazine because, yes, I'm a nerd, so I read all three of those. But Popular Mechanics says they've tested 5G towers, and although they emit a higher frequency, there's no evidence that the government's using them to spy on us. Another one of these 5G theories that that apparently Anthony Warner was believing in is that is that it would cause cancer, that 5G signals would cause cancer. So the American Cancer Society looked in this, and they said there's no research showing that radio frequency waves used in networks are more of a concern than any other form of cellular technology. So they're not saying necessarily it's 100% safe because there is some anecdotal evidence uh, of, of high-energy radio waves causing some health issues. But the cell phone that you have in your pocket, I believe, is 0.5 watts of transmitting power. 0.5 watts. So, yes, when you're talking on the cell phone, unless you're using uh, some sort of earbuds or something like that or a Bluetooth device, you're holding that thing right next to your head. But it's only 0.5 watts. So there's no evidence, according to the American Cancer Society, that 5G is any worse than any other cell signal that you use on your cell phone. Here's where it kind of veers into even more crazy because some of these folks, and I don't know if Anthony Warner was involved in this uh, group of people or not, but a lot of folks are saying on social media that 5G cell signals cause the coronavirus. Now, I don't even understand technically how that could happen. I mean, um, I, you can understand how radio waves could do some health damage. I mean, look at your microwave oven. Your microwave oven is essentially a radio frequency box that puts out radio frequency RF energy, and it cooks your food. So you can at least understand how someone might think it could be cooking your head. Now, I'm not saying it does. In fact, I've already told you, American Cancer Society says there's no evidence. But I at least understand how someone might think that. But how could you think that a 5G carrier signal is causing the coronavirus? I, I don't understand that at all. And the other theory is that, uh, well, I want to get to these other theories in a moment because I want to tell you this quick story before we go to a break. My father-in-law, he passed away a year ago, but he was an engineer, and he was, uh, he was manning uh, uh, radar towers during the Korean War. And his job was to keep those, to keep those radar towers operational, so they could see if the Soviets were coming or if the North Koreans were coming with their jet fighters. And so, one of the things that he loved telling the story was that when he was in Korea, it was cold. It was cold in Korea, 
And so people would come in to the uh, area where the radar equipment was located, and there was microwave energy coming out, and they would come in to warm their hands. And if they had candy bars in their pockets, it would melt the candy bars. It wasn't from heat. It was microwave energy because the radar used radar technology. And the first microwave ovens were called what? Radar ranges because that's the exact same radio frequency. So when guys would come in to warm their hands because it was cold, what they were really doing was cooking their hands in a microwave oven to stay warm. So you can at least understand that. I don't understand how anyone could think that COVID-19 causes the coronavirus. Hey, when we come back from this break, I'm going to go through some polling data. We're going to look at the passing of Don Wells. Got lots of things to discuss for the rest of the show. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. We'll be right back. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty Welcome back to Overnight America. Yes, you've heard the news. Don Wells uh, passed away today. Mary Ann from Gilligan's Island. She died from complications of COVID. She was 82 years old. And in fact, I think that the only person still alive from Gilligan's Island is Ginger. And uh, and I made the comment today, and somebody snarled at me when I said it, but I made the comment, I think Ginger is the actress is only still alive because of all the Botox she received. But, you know, I, I don't know that for a fact. I just made it up. It was an easy joke. Please forgive me. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, we lost Mary Ann from Gilligan's Island today. And what's interesting is I found this interview with her from about two years ago, and I only took a little snippet, but here's some interesting insight that Don Wells had about Gilligan's Island. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. The theme song is unforgettable. Aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty That Gilligan's sailor. Island jingle introduced television audiences to an electric group of castaways who left on... A three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. But not all of the actors featured in that original theme in the first season. And the rest... Until Gilligan himself threatened to quit. And it was Bob Denver who stepped in and said, no, that's not going to be like that. There's Is seven that true? Of us, yep, there's seven of us here. I never knew that till way after. But there's seven of us, that's just stupid. The professor and Mary Ann here on Gilligan's By season two, all seven castaways were there. But not everyone thought Gilligan's Island would be renewed after that first year. They didn't think it would last 10 minutes. Is they thought true? it was the stupidest show ever. And before Kylie had us spinning around in her gold hot pants, the former Miss Nevada's Daisy Dukes had temperatures soaring. They were this big, but you couldn't show my navel. You had this little thing that came up like this. Nowadays, what, you show everything. But is it true that you had a hand in designing those? Yeah, I designed them. So to try to make me look a little lo- more long-legged, And I'm standing next to Ginger, who's six feet tall. Her legs come up to my shoulders. It's the age-old television questions. The wholesome girl next door or the sexy movie star. She'd been your best friend and your wife and the mother of your children. Ginger would have been a one-night stand, and I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) I think I love you. 
Dawn received 5,000 fan letters a week, almost double the number Tina Louise was receiving. It's been said the show was fun to watch because the cast were having such a hoot on set. It was a great cast. That takes it. You know, it's a silly plot, but the chemistry between all of us was wonderful. So that was some of insight from uh, from Don Wells about the background of Gilligan's Island, and and I was uh, we were talking during the during the interview. I was talking to uh, producer James, and yeah, it looks like Tina Louise is the only one still alive, and uh, uh, and apparently Alan Hale, who played of course the skipper, he died a long time ago. He died at age sixty, so uh, he wasn't uh, uh, he unfortunately left us way too soon. But apparently, if you look at the IMDb trivia, you're going to see several things in there talking about how Ginger and Marianne, the actresses, Tina Louise and Don Wells, didn't get along. They, they didn't, didn't get along very well. And we, of course, know that Tina Louise didn't participate in any of the subsequent TV movies. I think she was on Dallas and she did some other uh, acting uh, so uh, she didn't really want to participate. But here's something that I did find was interesting that I did not know is that Don Wells, Marianne, auditioned for the role of uh, she was supposed to be in Superman. She was going to she was going to play Lois Lane in Superman and uh, and lost out to Margot Kidder. So that would have been interesting. But, you know, with with Don Wells, though, I mean, would she kind of have that William Shatner Quality meaning, could you see? Because anything I see William Shatner in, I'm thinking it's Captain Kirk, right? It doesn't matter what he does or what he's in. If I see him, I'm thinking Captain Kirk. So, could you picture Don Wells as playing Lois Lane? I would really have a hard time seeing her as anything other than Marianne, uh, because uh, I would I couldn't. So I wouldn't necessarily see her as Lois Lane. I would say, why is Mary? Why is is Marianne hanging out with Superman? Uh, I'm not really sure. And by the way, when you think about Gilligan's Island, all they ate was coconuts. Apparently, really, uh, you know, I like coconuts as much as the next guy, but uh, my goodness, I would get tired of it after a very, very short period of time. And to build a car out of bamboo and coconuts, uh, the professor, you know, that's the kind of guy we need today, isn't it? Uh, we, we, need, uh, we need the professor to build us a, a cure for COVID-19 out of coconuts. Uh, maybe he could have done that. Polling data that came out today, speaking of COVID, 40% of voters say they'll be ready to stop wearing masks in three months or less. And uh, and when I kind of teased this story before the last break, I'm ready to stop the mask now, but I know we can't and I know that we shouldn't. But from my feeling, as I look in my crystal ball, I'm thinking maybe sometime between three and six months we can actually drop the mask. That's uh, hopeful based upon the rate, uh, the ramped up rate of vaccinations, herd immunity in the community. I'm hopeful three to six months from now we can drop the masks. But what's interesting in this poll that came out today was that 30% of Americans said that they're rated, they're, they feel comfortable stopping the use of masks right now. No masks in any situation. 30% say, get rid of them. Dump the masks. And on the other side, only 9% said they will never 
never get rid of their masks, 9%. So I'm just imagining that from here forward, there's we're always going to see some percentage of people wearing masks. Now, I got to tell you, I only saw people wearing masks when I would go to Disney World. You know, when I in years past, I go to Disney World and there was always somebody from Japan uh, uh, wearing a mask. And I thought, well, you know, they come from a, a place where there's a lot of smog. I get that. Uh, but this is uh, this is Florida, darn it. We don't have uh, we don't have smog here. So uh, I didn't understand why they were doing it. But now for the rest of our lives, we will see people wearing masks. I don't know if we're going to see it in movies, but we're certainly going to see it. But some other polling data that came out today that I want to get to before the show wraps up this evening, and that is privacy. Two in three, two out of three Americans don't care if their smart devices are recording them. In fact, it was a report by safety.com. A poll, a poll was came out today. 66.7% of U.S. residents over the age of 18 do not have a problem finding out that a home gadget is listening in on what's going inside and what's going on inside of their home. Now, they polled 1,100 people between the ages of 18 and 64 during the month of December 2020. So, you know, if you think about it, if you listen to Amazon or Apple or anyone else, Samsung or LG or any of these companies, they just tell you over and over and over again that these public smart devices are not spying on their owners. Uh, but not everyone is convinced of that. But it's interesting here is that if you look at the breakdown, if you get into the dig down into and drill down into this polling data, it really breaks down under age. That as people get older and older, they're more concerned about their privacy. And people who are younger and younger are less concerned about their privacy. Now, I don't know if that's because they're just used to it because you take some like some of my my younger my youngest daughter, she's never lived in a time where there weren't smart devices everywhere. Yet certainly I have. Uh, most half of my adult life was without a smart device. So that may be it. Or it may simply be when you're that age, you just don't care. You don't have enough to be worried about. And as you get older, you start to get more conservative when it comes to technology. Now, my concern is when it comes to the legality. Because there was a case out of Arkansas three years ago where a person was arrested and charged with murder. And the police wanted to subpoena the information from Amazon to find out if the murderer had, or the alleged murderer had said anything that was recorded by Alexa. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that we, we protect murderers, but from a legal standpoint, should that information be admissible in court? And I don't think that it should because you're not being recorded in a way that you have an expectation that that information is public. In other words, when you're inside of your home, you have an expectation of privacy over what you say. If the police want to tap your phones, they have to get a warrant. If the police want to insert listening devices into your home, they have to get a warrant. Uh, but Alexa is going all the time. So police should not be allowed to access that information unless they get a warrant beforehand, not after the fact. So from my perspective as an attorney, I have a lot of problems with our devices recording us. 
Again, not that I'm thinking that we are committing crimes, but it goes against our expectations of privacy. What do you think? 314-436-7900. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. When we come back, I'm going to give you just a rundown of how not everything in 2020 was terrible. Stick around. I'll go through that next. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. Hey, Alexa, are you listening to me? Oh, sorry, I may have just triggered your Alexa. Sorry about that. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker uh, as we wind up the show. John's calling in this evening. Hey, John, welcome to KMOX. Good evening, Mr. Young. Good evening, sir. I do not have a smartphone, and you couldn't pay me to take one. Okay, and, and why is that? For the very reasons you've listed, the privacy concerns. Mm-hmm. I am in my mid-60s, which will tell you something. Uh, but I've never had a smartphone, never had any desire for one. I have enough problems with the computers I have. I, I understand. Listen, I was always the computer guy for my in-laws. You know, they would call me over and say, Brad, you know, we, we can't fix this computer. Would you come over and do it for us? So, no, I, I understand. I get it. Now, as an attorney, I think you will agree with this statement. To every law, there are most likely, or to almost every law, there are always exceptions. Oh, yes. Okay. With the COVID stuff, the passport idea you floated earlier. What about people who are naturally immune? You mean, Why should they be forced to take a foreign substance into their bodies simply to appease some person? Right. Well, I, I'm not arguing against you, John, but let me tell you what I think the answer to that would be. That, you know, the coronavirus is always called the novel coronavirus because humans do not have a natural immunity to the coronavirus. So you would have to be able to show that you had it or have the antibodies to the coronavirus to demonstrate that immunity. So that wouldn't be a natural immunity. It would be an immunity gained from already having had the coronavirus or having had the vaccine. Well, there, I think there's an exception to that. When we were children, our parents took us around kids who had single and double mumps. This was before the MMR vaccine came out. Right. My younger brother and I never got the mumps. Mm-hmm. I have never had a flu shot. No doctor has ever diagnosed me as having had the flu. And I have never felt so sick that I thought I had the flu. Sure, I've had colds and uh, things like that, sinus trouble, but I've never had the flu. I have never had a flu shot. I never will get a flu shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm naturally immune, apparently, to the flu. Right. For the same reason that when you were exposed to the MMR, your body's reaction to that was to generate antibodies that protects you from MMR. I and have not had the MMR. I, I know that, but you were exposed to it, and so your body developed antibodies to MMR. That's why you're naturally resistant. Well... Like I said, we were around kids that had single and double mumps, and this was prior to the advent of the MMR vaccine. Right. We never had it. We were never exposed to it. That's right, because one of the ways that people, certainly in the Revolutionary War times, John, one of the things were that that chicken pox 
mm-hmm. was uh, was ravaging our troops as George Washington was stationed uh, in Philadelphia. And so one of the ways that he protected his troops from getting chickenpox was to intentionally subject them to cowpox, which was a less severe version of chickenpox. And so by subjecting them to cowpox, they developed an immunity to chickenpox. And so and essentially, I, essentially you did the same thing when you were exposed to kids with the, with the mumps, is that you were exposed to that and your body developed an immunity to it. But if you develop that same immunity to the coronavirus, then you could technically be tested and you would have antibodies in your system. That could be. That could be. I mean, that's my understanding of the science. I'm certainly no, no doctor, and I don't even play one on TV. But that, <laughs> uh, I was a bio major many years ago. Oh well, you're ahead of me then. Why I'm preaching to the choir on this one, John? What am I that, doing here? They, that's why I brought it up because I don't believe that the. I have worn a mask maybe 18 times in the last 10 months. When I go grocery shopping, yep, I don't wear a mask. Okay. When I go to any store, I don't wear a mask. I'm in, like I said, according to the, the so-called experts, I have three comorbidities. I'm in my 60s. Yep. I'm overweight, and I'm on high blood pressure medicine. Now I had. And, and if you ask your doctor for a second opinion, he'll probably say you're ugly too. No, I mean that's an easy joke. Sorry, I couldn't resist, John. That's very... quite all right. He's, <laughs> he's probably right. He's probably correct on that. But I had an elderly parent who got the flu shot last October, a year ago. And at the end of March came down with both the flu and a UTI and ended up spending a week in the hospital. I was around this parent multiple times a week, all this time, and again, no sign of the flu in me. Mm-hmm. So I, this coronavirus does not scare me. Even this so-called more infectious variety coming out of England and quite frankly, I think this is another way that government authorities are going to keep the people hmm. controlled. Well, John, you're not alone. There's a lot of folks who agree with you. But, uh, hey, I appreciate you calling in this evening on Camo X. Thank you. Have a good holiday. You too. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Uh, a lot of folks uh, feel the way John does. I, I disagree, uh, but I respect his opinion. I'm glad he called in. One of the things that, that has been a bright spot for this year and we only have a couple of minutes left here, but uh, one of the things that's been a bright spot is how the coronavirus itself was developed. Because traditionally, it would take years to develop a coronavirus. I mean, to develop a vaccine to such a virus. But this was done in, in a matter of months, and a lot of people, it scares them because of it, but it was done in a new and a different way. And it was done by do, using what's called messenger RNA, messenger RNA. And that allowed scientists to develop this vaccine far more quickly than otherwise would have been uh, uh, able to do in the time frame that we had. Now, why is this going to be an important thing? Because this same messenger RNA technology can be used to develop vaccines for other conditions, for other diseases. And I really think that the, the, trillion, the billions of dollars that have been thrown at this issue will allow scientists to develop vaccines and cures for other diseases that simply up to this point have just been impossible to do. It's been impossible to do. 
And so to me, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged that because of the focus that the entire planet has made to develop this vaccine, that we can use that same technology to now go out and make vaccines and cures for other diseases or conditions that at this point we cannot even imagine. You know, it's kind of like in if you like the, the, the first Jurassic Park movie or the first Jurassic Park book, you know, they used technology for one thing and then used it to develop something else. Now, that went askew because that's what uh, Michael Crichton wanted it to do. But I think we can use it in this area to cure diseases and conditions that up to this point in time was impossible to do because of the use of what's called messenger R. Hey, in the next hour, we're going to have a replay of our 8 o'clock hour where we'll be talking to to Dave Simon. He's the host of Dollars and Cents. Make sure you stick around. And in the 1 o'clock hour, we'll be talking uh, to the Salvation Army about fundraising during COVID. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. Ryan will be here next week. Thanks for joining us. The lonely rain Wishing I could see your face again Change the dial on the radio Find something playing kind of bluesy and slow If things were only like they used to be We'd be lying in love tonight I wish you'd call me on the telephone I don't platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports that clock at four Doncic. the step back three you bet. music you set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on tune in go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.